Your life is in God's hands. He made you. He can do whatever he likes with you. You're in his hands. One day you'll meet him. And he will decide, and only he will decide, whether he will either judge you and send you to eternal punishment, or he will welcome you to be with him where you will enjoy him forever. Of course you'll enjoy him forever. Because he is incomparably majestic and good and intimidating and lovely and wise. So I hope it is obvious that there's hardly a more important subject than what is God like. What could be a more important subject than what is God like? That's why we've been, on Sunday evenings, for about seven Sundays now, going through the attributes of God. Attributes of God means, basically, his characteristics. What is God like? And today we get to this attribute, God is holy. Now, I haven't got one passage, and and the reason why we didn't have a reading just before Ben prayed is because we're going to end up looking at a lot of different places in the Bible, because this topic comes up repeatedly across the Bible. But before we get into that as a topic, first of all, have a think. If someone you know, who's not a Christian, said to you, what do you think God is like? You're a believer in God, what is God like? What would your answer be? Have a think now. What sort of things would you say to that non-Christian God is like? (coughs) Have you got an answer in your mind? Would it include holy? Would it include holy? If not, why not? Now, it might be because you don't think holy is is as important as saying he is love, he is good, he is creator. You might think, well, I've got other priorities to get across first. That might be one reason if, if holy wasn't in your answer. Another reason might be holy is hard to understand. Maybe you're not sure you understand it and very unsure that they would understand it. So, because of that, I want to, this evening, first persuade you of the importance of God's holiness. It should be in your answer. Second, I want to teach you the meaning of God's holiness, because it's not that straightforward to us. And then thirdly, we'll only have time for this to be briefly at the end, show us the effect of God's holiness, what it means for us. So, very simple way of going about this although I can't pretend it's a simple subject. Here's the first, the importance of God's holiness. I want to persuade you that this must be in your description of God. So let's begin here. How do you know what God is like? Children in RE lessons are sometimes told, give their ideas of God. Maybe draw a picture. What do you think God is like? What's the result? Well, the result comes from our imaginations, our guesses, our projecting onto God what we want him to be like. And the result is defective, wrong. Because to know what God is like, we need to listen to what he says in the Bible. Okay, we turn to the Bible and we see how does it describe God? What word does the Bible use to describe God more than any other? You've guessed. Holy, yes. 
In fact, it is by far the most frequently used word to describe God, more than any other word. We started the service with Psalm 99. Did you notice that it three times said, He is holy? But let's get some other examples. Can we have them up on the screen? Uh, I picked these all, not quite at random, but almost at random, because there just are so many. Leviticus 11. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God, therefore be holy, because I am holy. By the way, it says that five times in Leviticus. Joshua 24. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, he is a holy God. 1 Samuel 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. Notice the emphasis, he's different. No one like him. Isaiah is full of references to God being holy. Here are two. Isaiah 29, when they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And then Isaiah 40, because they kept making idols, bringing God down, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Now, there are loads more, tens if not hundreds more, I haven't counted them, but you might spot where are all of these? In the Old Testament. You might think, well, it's Old Testament, isn't it? Yes, that's different, Old Testament. Do we get a different picture in the New? Let's have some New Testament verses. Luke 1, this is Mary's praise to God. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. John 7, Jesus praying. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. 1 Peter 1, interestingly it's a quote from Leviticus because Peter knew the Old Testament still applies. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. In all you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. 1 John 2, verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Uh, He's getting that from Isaiah, that keeps calling God the Holy One. Revelation 6, verse 10, how long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? Now, I've just picked some examples, just to try to illustrate to you, you keep getting this across the Bible. We could look at a lot more, but instead of looking at a lot more, let me just bring to you two big examples. Children, do you know what angels are? They are not like girls dressed in white sheets in a nativity play. They are these powerful beings that are in heaven and are God's messengers. Now, only on two occasions... In the Bible, do you hear what the angels are saying in heaven? Only twice in the Bible does it tell you what the angels in heaven are saying. Do you know what those two occasions are? One is Isaiah 6. And the angels are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The other is 800 years later. That's a long time, isn't it? 800 years? So 800 years later, what are the angels saying? This is Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Presumably they were saying it for all those 800 years and still are today. 
Many examples could be given, but I give you those two because surely there is an emphasis there. And there's an emphasis also this way. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Hebrew has no word for very. So it has to do something different. In fact, Hebrew has no superlatives. Do you know what a superlative is? Children, there's a bit of grammar here. Superlative is like... I can't see her. Where is she? Rebecca is tall. Barclay is taller. Tim is tallest. Yeah? Tall, taller, tallest. Good, better, best. That sort of word. I hope you didn't mind me pointing out your height. But anyway, I just needed to say what a superlative is. You don't get that in Hebrew. What do they do instead? They have to repeat. And there are only two places in the Bible that are so worth emphasising that they're repeated three times. And it's the two we've just heard. Holy, holy, holy. Can you see, the Bible couldn't really put it any stronger. Or let's think about it another way. To know what God is like, he needs to tell us. What is the best way he has told us? Well, it's his son. Now, what difference does that make to our understanding of God? Does that change the picture? Does that relegate holiness out of the top five? Because it's been overtaken by other ones like love and goodness. Well, let's see some examples again. Let's have on the screen, I've picked some verses. About Jesus. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Gabriel said to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And notice in passing, the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, this is the demon speaking to Jesus. What do we want with, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Acts 3, Peter speaking to the murderers of Christ. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. Hebrews 7, such a high priest meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Notice he's holy in his birth, holy in his life, holy in his death, and holy now in heaven. Well, I hope that's enough to convince you that God is holy should be in your description of God. And it should be prominent in your description of God. If it isn't, your description of God is out of line with what God says and is therefore wrong. But the other reason why, if if an unbeliever asks you, you might not have had the word holy, is because you might think, well, I struggle with explaining what it means. So let's now, secondly, we've looked then at the importance of, of God is holy, now the meaning of God is holy, the meaning. Now, for other attributes of God, you might struggle to get an accurate definition, but you could probably give a rough idea. God is love, God is wise, God is powerful. You, You could probably give a rough idea, even if it's actually quite hard to define accurately. What about holy? Do you have a rough idea what holy means? Have a think. Have you got a rough idea what holy means? That one's quite a bit harder. You might say, oh, it means God is pure. He is sinless. And that is true, 
But it's only part of what holy means. I have to admit, it's not easy to give a simple definition of holy, so please stay with me as I try to work at it and help you with this. Let's start with the actual word. In the Old Testament, the word for holy is literally the word cut. That's odd, isn't it? It comes from the word cut. Well, let's think about cutting something. Let's cut a carrot. What have we done to the two parts? Well, they are now separate. They are set apart. And that's really what the word holy is getting at. They use the word for cut to mean separate or set apart. God is separate, he's set apart. But what on earth does that mean? Well, let's get some examples of holy things in the Old Testament. There was a holy people, the Israelites. Exodus 19 says they are a holy people. What did that mean? It meant they had to keep separate from other nations. They mustn't intermarry with them. They had to keep distinct, be different. That's why they had those food laws, don't eat pork, and those ceremonies. And they had moral laws. It was all about being distinct and different, set apart from the nations. They were distinct because they were devoted to God. And then the Israelites had a temple, and in that temple there were even pots and pans that had written on them, holy to the Lord. Now, what does it mean for a pot or a pan to be holy? Does it mean it doesn't sin? Well, this illustrates that holy means more than not sinning. If pots and pans are holy, well, it meant they weren't for your ordinary cooking. You mustn't use those pots or pans for your ordinary cooking. They are distinct. They are different. They are only to be used in the worship of God. Because remember, in the temple, they had lots of sacrifices. They didn't just need hymn books or projectors. They needed pots and pans for their sacrifices. And they're eating together. You see, these pots and pans were to be kept different because they were devoted to God. Have you noticed in those two examples two D's that came up? Did you notice two D's? Distinct and devoted. Things and people could be holy because they were to be kept distinct because they were devoted to God. I'll give you an example. In, in our kitchen we have a toaster. Now this toaster is a bit like the pots and pans in the temple. On it is written, not holy to the Lord, but gluten-free. That's what's written on it. It is to be devoted to gluten-free bread. It must be kept distinct and not contaminated by any gluten. You see, it's kept distinct because it's devoted to a particular use. I hope that gives you an idea of what holy means. Distinct because devoted. Or to put it another way, holy was set apart for the God who is set apart. Have you got those phrases? Distinct because devoted, or set apart for the God who is set apart. Okay, how does that help us understand how God is holy? Well, he is set apart. The big emphasis here is, he is totally different from anything else. He is unique. There isn't a category gods and he's one of them. He's not a better version of the angels. He's not a bigger, better version of anything. He's totally unique. 
Let's think about it this way. Imagine there was a scale on the wall here, and it's a scale of cleverness. Okay? I'm down there on the skirting board. You academics at the university, maybe you're up here. And Albert Einstein's here, and you say, God's right up at the roof. Or let's have a, a scale of strength. Right, I'm down there on the skirting board. Arnold Schwarzenegger is about there, and God's somewhere up on the roof. No, it doesn't, holy is saying it doesn't work like that. God is not just a bigger, better version of anything. He is unique in his power, in his wisdom, in his love, in his everything. He is not a bigger, better version of anyone. He's not just ramp up the scale on anything. This sets God apart from everything. Now, obviously, sin... So, yes, when people say holy means sinless, that's true. He is apart from sin. He has nothing to do with it. But he's also separate from everything else. Let's have, a, let's have that diagram on the screen. Everything that exists comes into these two categories. Absolutely everything that exists is in these two categories. And they are completely separate categories. In one category, there is just God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What's in the other category? Stars, space, the actual space, and plants, and animals, and music, and laughter, and gravity, and the laws of physics, and colours, and everything that exists is there in that circle apart from God. And he's totally separate. Why am I telling you this very simple truth that you probably already know? Well, it's partly to guard us against ideas that treat God like part of creation, which there's quite a lot of that around. The technical term is pantheism. But it's more to get us thinking and amazed that God is holy. Set apart. We can get rid of the diagram. Because I want to move on to also this. When the Bible talks about God's holiness, it's also telling us, treat him as set apart. The word the Bible uses for holy also is the opposite to common, to ordinary. It's saying God is the opposite to common, to ordinary. Don't treat him as common or ordinary. That's what it means by God is holy. Earlier on, we had on the screen Isaiah 29, and it said, They will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Often when the Bible talks about God's holiness, it's saying, treat him as set apart. Don't you treat him as ordinary, as common. Don't tr bring him down to our level. Think of the Lord's Prayer. How does it begin? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Literally, it's holy be your name. It's saying, we're praying, God, don't let people treat you as ordinary. God, make sure people treat you as set apart, as unique, as in a league of your own. I think many churches today, probably including us, have a problem with this. Because what are we keen to do? We are keen to portray what we do at church as normal. 
It's just ordinary. Someone asks you, oh, you went to church. Let's say tomorrow. Someone asks you, you went to church yesterday. What, what sort of things do you at church, do at church? It's our temptation to portray it as normal. Well, we meet together, we like to get together, and we listen to a talk, and we have a sing, and we chat together, and we like to portray it in ordinary terms. We don't want to appear odd. But if you went to worship in the Old Testament temple, everything would be calculated to say to you, this is not ordinary. Because you are approaching the God who is unique, who is set apart. Now, I know it's not easy to get hold of what God is holy means. It's not as easy as God is powerful. But I hope you've got this. God is set apart and he is to be treated as set apart. Not on a level with anything. I'll tell you a story that I like and I find helpful. I hope this might get something of it for you. Louis XIV was a king of France. And he ordered that when he died, his funeral should be in Notre Dame Cathedral. And that the cathedral should be in darkness, apart from a candle on his coffin. To emphasise his greatness. All to focus on him. Well, the funeral went ahead and the people did their various parts until it came to the sermon. And when the preacher got up, To begin his sermon, he strode over to the coffin and he snuffed out the candle. And he said to the congregation, only God is great. Only God is great. I hope that gives you a little flavour of holiness. means God is unique and he is to be treated as unique. Briefly, just got a bit of time for this. We've had holiness, it's importance, it's meaning. Now it's effect, it's effect. What should the effect of this sermon be? What should the effect of this sermon be? That we understand what holiness is? Well, I hope so, but more. That we would include this in our description of God? Well, I hope so, hope you will, but more. That we would worship in amazement with God? Yes, definitely, but more. The effect should also be this, that we also are holy. That we also are holy. This is the aim of the Gospel. I've got a few more verses, I haven't got them on the screen this time, but Ephesians 1 verse 4, the letter to the Ephesians, it starts like this, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy. If you are a Christian this evening, it's because God chose you with this purpose, that you should be holy. And then Ephesians says in chapter 5, verse 25, Christ gave himself for the church to present her to himself as holy. If you're a Christian this evening, it's because Jesus died for you. And he died for this purpose, that you should be devoted to him holy set apart from sin and set apart for him. You could look in 1 Peter and see exactly the same. At the beginning it says God chose you for holiness. Later on it says Jesus died so you should be holy. And so in 1 Peter, we did have this one on the screen, it says be holy for I am holy. And very significantly it says, so set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Treat him as holy. 
Now, remember, holy, the trouble is, this word holy has a bad image to us. And that could distort what we've just heard. Remember, holy does not mean snooty. It does not mean self-righteous. It doesn't even mean overcoming sin so you're a better person. It doesn't even mean that. No, it means striving to be uncontaminated from, by sin, to be distinct from the world around you because you are devoted to God. There's the key, because you are devoted to God. Be set apart from sin and the world because you are set apart for God. The God who is set apart. I'm told, well I don't, I don't actually know if this is true or not, but the story, it is said that lemmings follow each other over a cliff. Do you know this one? I'm not sure if they really do. But it said lemmings, for some reason, they get this mania where they start following each other and pile over the cliff and fall into the sea and go to their death. don't know if they really do, but that's, that's what people say. Well, that's a bit of a picture of the world. Can you see the world there? Sinners following each other in sin over the cliff of death into hell. And sometimes the gospel is treated as just like giving you a life jacket. Giving you a life jacket so you can, along with all the other lemmings, pile over the cliff and fall, but you're safe. You've got your life jacket on. And hopefully the gospel could be a lemming-coloured life jacket so you can merge into the crowd. Carry on with the crowd, but you're safe because you've got the gospel life jacket on. Now, Jesus didn't die so you could be a lemming in a life jacket. He didn't die so you could follow the crowd but be safe. Jesus died so we could be distinct from the crowd, so we would be distinct from the crowd. Not because we enjoy being odd, but because we're devoted to God. Don't be a lemming in a life jacket. I hope the oddity of the phrase will help you remember it. Yeah, don't be a lemming in a life jacket. I hope you'll remember that one. But then remember what it means. It means God's purpose is that we are holy. Jesus didn't die so you could follow the crowd but be safe. He died so we would be holy. Let's finish with God's word on this. We've already heard it, but it's very good. 1 Peter 1 verse 15. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy.